it's a lazy afternoon and the beetle bugs are zooming and the okay, Christopher. Oh, Kay Ballard has a brand new book on the market called How I Lost 10 Pounds in 53 Years. So the yes, first thing... You know, I left a friend's name out of that book who lives in Columbus. Who's that? His name is Kerwin Matthews. And he taught me how to love Columbus. Because when I was there doing a play, he, before the day that I arrived, he showed me all around the town. And I, I fell in love with Columbus. Well, good. Come back. <laughs> the German town. And yes. The, Victorian section, and I, I think Columbus is beautiful. It is indeed, and we'd love to have you back. But tell me about the title of this book. Well, the title of the book is just to attract attention, you know, to, yeah. to you say, oh, this might be funny or something. But it's really about my life and the people that I've met in show business. Wonderful, wonderful people that I don't want people to forget, like Billy DeWolf and Virginia Graham and uh, Gypsy Rose Lee, and Edith Piaf, and, uh, you know, the people that I've worked with, Doris Day, Lucille Ball, and going to England and and doing two command performances. It's about my life, really. You said it's an attention-getting title, and the book is a lot of fun, but it's a serious book, too. It's not a frivolous book at all, having just no. read it. It's a, it's it's a real... I didn't go in-depth to all the serious stuff, but just to touch on it. Because I believe that everybody's had, you know, things in their life that I, I, I laugh when they say, oh, I was had a ch- childhood that was done. Everybody's had problems in their life, right. you know. So I didn't go in depth and, and into any subject. But just about the people that I loved and met in this business, because you know more than anybody, Christopher, this is a stupid business and it's a question of luck more than it is talent. You started off in Cleveland, where you were born, is that I right? I certainly did. As a matter of fact, my first job was in Columbus. Where? What? At the Club Gloria. Okay. Which no longer exists, but at that time it was wonderful. And I have to ask you, you were speaking of great names that people might not remember anymore, but top of my list is top of yours, too, Spike Jones. Of course. Tell me about Spike Jones. Tell the people who don't know. Spike Jones was a genius. Yes. People didn't know how really brilliant he was. Everything was timed within seconds that he did, and always the same way. And he had great people with him, like Carl Grayson and uh, uh, Red Angle. I mean, these people knew what they were doing. They were totally rehearsed. You know what bothers me today? All the improvisation work. You know, that's, to me, I don't know. It's hit and miss. Is a lot but, of that. You know, when you know what you're doing, right. it's much more fun. Spike Jones was a musician, performer, comic, actor. How can you describe him today to people who well, don't know him? Well, first of all, he was a, a first-class drummer. He was uh, Bing Crosby's drummer mm-hmm. on the Craft or Chesterfield or whatever he was at that time. Right, and radio, sure. But yes, he was a very famous drummer, and then decided. Then he met Carl Grayson, who was the original one who started T for Two. You know. He really started the band with Spike Jones. T for Two on the Spoons, as I recall. Wasn't that right? One of the things that they did? The, well, no. I, what do you mean? I, I played the tuba right. and uh, the flute. The flute. And I, I toured with the band. My first good job was with Spike Jones touring the country in you, vaudeville. And certainly you also sang with him, didn't you? Pardon? 
certain you, you also sang with him, didn't oh, you? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. Were I you... did it never rains in sunny California, but what a lot of do. <laughs> what a lot of do. Uh, did, you, were you, did you start out as a singer? I started out as an impressionist, which I think if everyone's honest, they all start out that way, thinking, who can I imitate? Who'd you do? Uh, I did Judy Garland, Martha Ray, and B. Lilly. I had class right away. Well, I did that. <laughs> somebody also told me that you did Nancy Reagan in later no, years. No, not Nancy Reagan. Okay. I met Nancy Reagan right. when I was in uh, Washington, and she was the most gracious woman, and he was just terrific, Ronald Reagan. Can you still do Judy Garland? Oh, yes. Can you do it now? Well, I, I used to talk like Judy Garland. Right. Oh, gee, oh, gee, Christopher, I, I don't want to bother you. You know, one of those things where she, you know, when she sang to Mr. Gable. And now Martha Ray is also not remembered as well as she should be. Oh, she was boy. a great talent. Great singer. She had great legs, which I've always gone through my life saying, oh, I wish I had those legs. I wish I had those legs. I wish I had that nose. I was never satisfied with myself. And now that I'm older, I think, gee, God gave me a lot to start with. How dare I be so Really, rotten. you did pretty good, I would say. I mean, here <laughs> we are talking about you in a new book. By the way, The Mothers-in-Law, your TV series, do you know that that's all over YouTube? You can watch that now? Yes, I wish it were on a DVD. Yeah, yeah, maybe the day will come. So you went I don't from, know. You went with Spike Jones, a great teacher? He was, I think he was very instrumental in... in Turning me in the in the comedy, the trend I wanted to take satire. Right. You know he was very good, and I'll never forget when I was working with him at the Trocadero, and um, I did kind of a risque thing when I did an Im- imitation of Betty Davis. Not risque; it was distasteful. I used to the talk and then spit down my dress, and <laughs> you know it got a big laugh and. Keenan Wynn grabbed me, and he says, I don't want you to do that, kid. And he says, that's the only thing you do that's even the least bit distasteful. He said, that's the wrong kind of laugh. But, you know, good I, good taste is a theme in your book. That's important to you. Oh, it's very important right. to me. I went to see a movie called Knocked Up, and I think I'm going crazy because that is the most distasteful movie in my eyes. Maybe it's because I'm old-fashioned. But old-fashioned or not, they've taken the romance out of life. Knocked Up. Is this the recent movie, the new movie? Yes. It's number two this week. Absolutely. The the New York Times raved about it, of all things. Well, then the New York Times deserves to be slapped. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's You know what it is, Christopher? Somebody's got to say, wait a minute, you can't go that far. Right. Right. And they don't. And I don't know why. And I know you had problems with people in the Pirates of Penzance on Broadway that you did for a year. Yes, like Jim Belushi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, 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 uh, maybe now he's turned into a tasteful young man, but he was very distasteful when I was working with him. And nobody, and in fact, when you, you said something about that, you were told, if you don't like it, leave. I mean, that's, it, that, right. that's scary to me. That's Joseph Papp's New York Shakespeare Festival, for goodness sake. Well, that sake. shows you that the world has lost its taste and integrity. Now, I mean, when you think about Jack Benny, you left at what he was thinking, right. never what he le- what he said. Right. You never took your eyes off him either. Yeah. He was, That's right. Uh, yeah, he was terrific. Well, you're a young man. How old are you? Fifty. I'm not that young. Yes, you're very young. <laughs> Fifty. I did see Molly. But... I have scarves older than you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I-, I wanted to ask you about. You said you did people like Betty Davis, and I know that you were friends with Betty Davis, so you yes, knew her. It was- Great honor being friends with Betty did, Davis. Did she, did she like I your noticed, impression? You know, at, at, at this point in my life, I'm having a hard time like getting work because I'm older. Yeah. 
And I remember Betty Davis and all these people telling me the same thing. And I thought, why? My God, they should be in a position where they say, I want to do this, I want to do that. I mean, it takes a lifetime to learn. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything today. And one of the things, for example, Virginia Graham, who I remembered on television, certainly. Virginia but I... Graham was one of the brightest women I've ever known. And when they say, when Barbara Walters says, I've had this idea for The View, I want to say, wait a minute. There was Virginia Graham who had Girl Talk, and Girl Talk was totally interesting because she had new guests every day, you know, and, mm-hmm. and brilliant people that weren't there to to sell something. They were there to, to talk about life and the things that bothered them, like uh, Hermione Gingle, Hermione Badley, Jean Vieve, and uh, Alexander King. And, you know, she had great people, Pamela Mason, you know, she had great. Jack Parr and Virginia Graham had the most fascinating gift. I'm glad yes. you said that about Jack Parr because I only know him from old films, and I think he was brilliant. Brilliant. He from was what I've seen. brilliant. He was kind, and he, you know, he said to me, he came to Palm Springs about seven years ago, and I took him to see the Palm Springs Follies, which he loved, and he says, you know, Kay, when I left NBC, I was making four thousand dollars a week. He says, what does David Letterman make? Yeah, a minute, $4,000 <laughs> a minute, probably. Yeah. You know, I don't know. The world has changed, and a lot of it is better, and a lot of it is not. What makes a great entertainer? Well, people that really love it, and they do it not for the money. They do it because they love it. That and was Billy DeWolf. And, and, well, no, Billy, you know. there's another name that's, that for, that's forgotten today, and he was brilliantly funny, and he, he's from Boston like me, so could you talk about Billy oh, DeWolf? Really? Yes. Oh, really? Oh, Miss. Wolf. Yes. He was the most wonderful. He used to call me Rose Boozy. He gave everyone a nickname. And I had a flower put on his grave, and I signed it Rose Boozy. Oh. He, he called Doris Day Clara Bixby. He used to tell a wonderful story. He, apparently, he was Mae West's upstairs neighbor. Yes. And he told great he, stories he'd about say, her. Miss Boozy, I can always say to her, come up and see me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most wonderful I went to Europe with him, and it was the best time I ever had. Did you crash Nijinsky's funeral with him? Pardon? Did you crash Nijinsky's funeral with him? I know you crashed. No, the, no, no. The, that I went with the dancers in the show. Yeah, the great ballet master uh, Václav Nijinsky died. I didn't even know who he was, no, but okay. I went. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> well, sure. He's important, so I went. I, crashed, I was yeah. always curious yes. about what went before me. Today, the kids are not curious about that. Well, which yeah. is fascinating to me. Their their nostalgia is last year. Yeah, I teach opera, and I I want the I try to get the kids to listen to things even twenty years ago, and they have no clue. But uh, but you can you can grab them. They will do it. You just have to keep after them. And some bit. of the kids are wonderful. You know, they, I say God bless Ted Turner. Yes, yeah. I mean that he's restored all those wonderful old films. Right. You know, I I just went to see a movie yesterday, and I. And someone said, how'd you like it? I said, go see it and tell me what it's about. What was because, it? <laughs> no, I don't want to Okay, say don't it. tell me. Okay. Okay. But, you know, uh, you are the second cast member that I've, I've interviewed in the past year from Ruben Ruben. And I would like... Ah! I'd li- I, I, <laughs> Who I, did you interview Evelyn Lear. Evelyn Lear. Last oh, year. Oh, Evelyn Lear was, who was a great, great singer. Was a great singer. A great artist. And uh, she was wonderful. I was doing a project on Mark Blitzstein and I had to talk to her. But t- that show is infamous. But, uh, you know, it's something that it's... Uh, they teach, you know what was interesting, they teach that show, but it, it didn't run. It was so well-directed in rehearsal and in Boston, even though they hated it, 
the cast loved it so much that they said, let's go to New York and do it on a bare stage. I mean, that's how wonderful it was. But see, the fact that the cast wanted to do that and had that passion, do you think that would happen today? No. Yeah, isn't that a shame? But tell Nothing me, would happen today. Now they go into, uh, you know, doing showcases, and that lasts uh, three months, and then they don't get on. Yeah. But talk about Ruben Ruben. What was the premise of that show? The premise was the man who, uh, uh, the communication, he couldn't communicate. And it, it, it was... You know, Eddie Albert was wonderful in it in rehearsal. Right. But then when he got opening night, he fell back into his character he did in movies. Was that nerves or because he just didn't know what to do? I think it was nerves. Nerves, yeah. And he was wonderful, really. Right. It's just too bad. But with all that talent, how could it be said the show was a flop? I know, I mean, it didn't run, but people were saying it was a bad show. You said people were walking out. Oh, my God, 200 people walked out opening night. Tell the story about Cheryl Crawford, the producer. Cheryl Crawford stood in the middle of the line and uh, in the middle of the aisle and let them walk around her. Yeah, exactly. She just was so incensed that they wouldn't and leave. She, she was this tiny woman trying to get everybody to not leave, apparently. That's right. And you know what's interesting? Today, it's a whole different world now. You know, the people talk back to you when you're on stage. and mm. You know, they bring in pizza boxes, put them under the seats. You know, it's, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. The world has lost its class. And, you know, Fred Ebb was my writer, and I always said that. I said, you know what? The world has lost its class. You did one of his, you did a song of that title in uh, Chicago, in the show Chicago yes, in did. California. Yeah, it's, and that's. It's uh, very strange, but Fred Ebb, I adored. He yeah. was a really talented man. He wrote Cabaret. What but else did he yet, write? I put Coloring Book on the air, and I said, write me a song called Maybe This Time I'll Be Lucky. And yeah. he wrote me Maybe This Time, and I recorded it in 1961. And uh, then he gave it to Liza Minnelli, and the rest was history. Rest but was... if he had given me a penny for my own title, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be so rich. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll have to work until I die, and that maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, me, it keeps you going. Me too. It's a good thing. Uh, talk about a little bit now. I know what your, one of your bosses in TV was Desi Arnaz. Now, if, if people only know Ricky Ricardo, fill them in on Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz was one of the most brilliant, tasteful men in show business. He truly was. He edited every single script we did from Mothers in Law. And he uh, he edited every script for My Love Lucy. Right. And he was the genius who went out on the lunch hour and bought RKO, <laughs> which Lucy was furious when he did. Yeah. But then she was very happy that he did. did he was a genius. Did he? Inv- As a matter of fact, Vivian Vance said, "You're going to work with the most tasteful man in Hollywood," and she was right. Did he not invent how to shoot a TV series, a, a TV well, show? Well, he, he was the one who came up with three cameras. Right. And it's so funny because when he sold it, he said, I sold it for 48000 Well, <laughs> yeah. it was worth millions. That's why you could still watch I Love Lucy because he had it done on film too, right? And, not- and you know, like Mothers-in-Law and Lucy never had a laugh track. Really? Never, ever. Did you do Mothers-in-Law to a live audience? A live audience oh, really? with no laugh track. And we rehearsed it and uh, did camera work on Thursday, filmed it on Friday, and that was it. They didn't, now they go back and do scenes and ba 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 ba. He didn't. You did it, and that's it. And it was a very, it's still funny. 
It's it still a funny. funny show. It's a, You were very young then playing a mother-in-law. Yes, I was only yes. 38 when I did Mothers-in-Law, and uh, my son was 33. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these dark circles saved me. I've had dark circles all my life, and they thought, oh, my God, she's much older. And me, me too, but Eve Arden had been in the movies for years, and she was a little bit more matriarchal, I think. Is that the word? She was wonderful. Eve Arden was another class act was to she really? work with. Yeah. Just classy, classy. And I bought a house in, in um, L.A., and everyone said, you sold your house to Eve Arden? I said, no, I sold my 28-year mortgage to Eve Arden. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just a wonderful, wonderful woman to work with. I remember you on all the talk shows in the days when they had re- really great variety talk shows like Merv Griffin. And Merv Griffin is another Mike Douglas, guy. yeah, and he's and smart. He's a smart guy too. He's yeah. brilliant. My favorites were Merv Griffin. Well, really, Jack Parr and Merv Griffin and Steve Allen and that order. But you were doing a show based on the radio TV series of the Goldbergs, Molly Goldberg, which was greatly loved and very popular. And I remember you on all those shows promoting the show before it opened. That's right. And you were very excited. And there was a lot of buzz on this show in the business. People were. And you know something? I still have people write me and tell me how much they love that show. It was the wrong time, Christopher. Right. It was during the the crash. You know the the, the gas company. Yeah, there was gas the- and uh, it, and and first of all, the show had a very depressing set. It was about the depression. Yeah. But it was such a great idea. She came up with a two-piece bathing suit to save her husband's business. And it was a wonderful score. I say, if everyone got what they wanted, after a while it wouldn't be such a treat. If yes. every, That's the first. And then, then you write in your book about if a young... Everybody ha- if everyone had what they wanted. That's right. After a long, it's no longer a dump. Yeah. Right. It was a wonderful score. I saw it in Boston in the, I think it was the Colonial Theater in the tryouts. That's uh, right. And people loved it. People in the audience, at least, were having a good time. But I'm reading your book, and it was sounds like a nightmare, when, uh, you know, on the other when side the of the footlights. When we came to New York, he handed us a new first act, and he was never there during Boston. Right. The director, Paul Aaron. It was disgraceful. Aaron. We should have opened the way we opened in Boston. Because you know what's interesting? When you open and you're not really familiar with things, but after you do it for three weeks, it suddenly falls into place, and even things that you don't think work, work. Yeah, yeah. There was also a beautiful ballad in that show called In Your Eyes. And that was Danny Ford. And you, and I, you know, I, I never knew his name till I read your book last in week, but wait a second. I somewhere. Da, 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 da. Oh, you have a lovely voice. Well, thank you. But I remember his. This, I've never heard of him, but I remembered the sound of his voice all these years later. Really fabulous. Yes, the sweet tenor voice in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's he was the one that sang "Mama Rainbow" in right. Minnie's voice. Yeah. Now he's somebody else who who did a lot of great work, but you don't know him today. And there's so that's many right. people like that. You know, that's what I wanted to say in the book. I don't know if it, I came through. You did. I want to say all the people that gave their heart and soul to the profession that they loved. People have forgotten, and you only remember someone who was on TV, uh, you know, that's been in it 10 minutes. I mean, the people from American Idol are more famous than some of those people. Right. And that hurts my heart. Yeah. 
Does that make sense to you? Uh, completely, absolutely. And they're very talented kids on American Idol, but still, oh, I mean, wonderful. But they did. They didn't go up the ladder, you know. In no, fact, they didn't pay any dues. My, they just happened. My wife and I were watching that show, and she said, "I hope these kids are okay because everything's d- now done for them." You know, in six weeks of a TV show. And, and well, I knew when I saw that, I knew that Carrie Underwood would go on mm-hmm. and on. Mm-hmm. I also think this young girl that just won will go on. Right. And Kelly Clarkson. Right. But I don't know if some of the others will. Yeah, I hope they, you know. they get the help. and support. But, you know. But they're all, they, listen, they've all made more money than Clark Gable did in his career. <laughs> but you're, you, you, I'm not giving it away because you say in your book how old you are. But here you are at that age and you're still working. I mean, 81. You're 81 and you're still out there working and looking for work and hustling. That's right. Why? Because I never saved my money, and oh, I never no, made I, that kind of money. <laughs> but but now, do you still love to work, though? Would you do it anyway oh, yes. if you were a rich woman? I mean, you would— I, I, I think that gives me complete happiness when I make people happy. Right, right. Does and that s- make sense? Absolutely. And I have to—we talked about Desi, but we have to talk about Lucy. Uh, was Lucy. Lucille Ball. Talk about the other thing that makes me the happiest is my, my puppies. Oh, your I'm puppies. I'm like Doris Day. I have four dogs, You're... and I love every one the same. <laughs> So now I know how people feel about their children. Their children, right. <laughs> well, yes. I, I have children. Someday you want to kill them, but you do love them. And you, you abs- do love them, and you, love, you don't have one favorite. You love them all. That's right. But how about Lucille Ball? Lucille Ball was a tough lady. Yeah. And I think she loved Desi until the day she died. Right. And R- Desi loved her. Right. And, they, you know, they were married to other people longer than they were married to each other, I think. By the I time. know. And yeah. Edie. His second wife, Desi's second wife, was one of the greatest women ever. Did she and, and Lucy she get didn't along? Look unlike Lucy, right? And she she left a man that was worth millions to marry Desi. Right. Desi had something that women used to go mad. I, you know, because I have his house. Like ten years after he died, or ten years after I had the house, women would come to the door. He's Desi home. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he he just. He was he loved women and he he showed it. Now Lucy owned the studio that the mothers in law was made in. Was that not true? She well no, Desi owned it. Desi first. owned it, yeah. And then, was yeah. she involved with your show? Mm, no, she used to come over every week and ask me how it went. Yeah. <laughs> but she was she was not a funny lady off camera, apparently. Not funny off stage at all. No. Was she difficult? Very serious yeah. and she played backgammon. That was the most important thing in the world, or Scrabble. Really? She had to win. <laughs> yeah. And you know, her daughter is a huge talent. You know, her daughter is really talented. Yeah, and, but you don't hear about her anymore. No, really. but she's wonderful in musical comedy. Yeah, she's great. And her Lucy son Jr. was a rock star and an actor for a while, Desi yeah, Ernest Jr. Well, Lucy Jr. could be a wonderful director. She has a very keen eye, and mm-hmm. she's uh, very good. Mm-hmm. But I think she has a daughter that's... Probably going to be the first lady president. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Isn't that great? Now, yeah. now what, what do you want to see happen in show business today? Well, I want them to have taste. I don't want a, a movie like Knocked Up to make the most money. Right. And yet those two women in it and the people in it are very talented. But you know what I think? You know, like I'm one of the only people, one of the only Italians in the world that... I loved the acting in Soprano, but I was offended by some of the, the language. The, in the Sopranos, okay, yeah, in the TV series. Because I worked with Lenny Bruce, and he didn't use that word unless 
he had a reason to use Now, it. go back to that, because people remember Lenny Bruce as being very foul-mouthed, and you say that's not he so. He wasn't. He yeah. did it when he wanted to stress a point. Now, I, I need you to explain exactly who he was, because people won't remember, alas, but it's true. You know what I didn't put in the book, which is funny, is because I said, uh, when I was working with him, I was laughing. He said, you know, I really should pay you to laugh. <laughs> to laugh. <laughs> and I said, well... And he wrote out a $25 million check. Oh, which, good. <laughs> and then I just sold it. Oh, you the sold check. the check? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I also got screwed on that. I didn't get what I should have gotten for it. But that's life. He was a stand-up comic in the 50s and 60s. I think he was out of New York, wasn't he? Uh, yes. He well, had that first, New York humor. I think he humor. started in New Orleans or oh. all around. And uh, No, not uh, – well, he was in strip clubs. He used to be the MC in strip clubs. And I met him in San Francisco, and but and I had him booked in the Blue Angel because I thought he was so good. I had he and Ronnie Shell and uh, uh, Phyllis Diller. I adore Phyllis Diller, one of the greaties. Phyllis Diller is a great original, isn't she? She is one of the greatest. And she can play Bach question. on the piano too. With after all that shtick, she's very. She has a serious side to her. Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. At- she, and she's a wonderful. She's a wonderful artist and a wonderful. The musician, she's just wonderful. Period. Lenny Bruce and yourself and Phyllis Diller began in the or worked a lot in the clubs. Talk about what were the clubs because people don't know anymore, and I need you to explain what that was. Well, the nightclubs. You know, another thing that I've always objected to is these comedy clubs. You know, do do the do a great act, and uh, I'll buy you a drink. You know, yeah. nobody made money. In comedy clubs, well, I guess they do now. Yeah. But when they started. But what was the uh, Purple Onion? What was the Blue Angel? What were these places? The Blue Angel was a class, classy club. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you were noisy or anything, the boss just kicked you out. They didn't care about the check. They ripped it up and said, "Get out." Just get out. And who performed yeah. there? And the Bonsoir was fabulous. Oh yeah. And the Hungry Eye was thrilling. Now, you hear those names, and you think they're like big Vegas showrooms, and they weren't, were they? No, they were intimate clubs, and, and they were respectful audiences and people that wanted to listen. So, you know, and they, no, nobody was vulgar. It was wonderful. Woody Allen, all of them, nobody was vulgar. And even Lenny Bruce, because that's his reputation so many years after his death, that he was a father. I'll give you an example. Okay. Lenny Bruce would say, he'd come in and say, you know, some, we were talking, and he said, you know, some people are so funny. They think because you're on the road, they say, well, you want to come over for dinner? And uh, Aren't you sick of that crap on the road? So then he did 30 minutes about crap on the road. Crap on the road. Well, that could... That could... <laughs> and he was always funny, right? Always funny. Right. Always. Who were who the best entertainers you ever saw? The really... Well, Lenny Bruce was one of them. Yeah. Uh, I could go on and on about... Well, you know, Shecky Green was one. He's still around, uh, isn't he? There, there were a lot yeah. of good entertainers I worked with. But on Broadway, I would say Hugh Jackman was truly one of the thrilling ones. Really? Yeah, The Boy from Oz, right? The Peter oh, Allen show. Oh, my God. When he did The Boy from Oz, I saw that show twice. It was I was only there two weeks. But I just he was just magnificent. There are certain performers that they, you, you can't capture in movies what they give on stage. Yeah. Does that make sense to Absolutely, you? sure, sure. They need he the live audience. He has a magnetism on stage, or so does Kevin Klein. Yeah. And even Rex Smith has that magnetism on stage that, 
I've never seen them capture in a movie. Well, Kevin Klein's come close. Yeah. 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 How about Judy Garland? Was she what everybody said she was in the history books? Yes. yes. She was wonderful, a victim of yeah. her childhood. And, like, I feel so sorry for Lindsay Lohman. Lohan, oh, yeah, this little girl, yes, yeah. Because I think she's really talented mm-hmm. and really beautiful. But, God, she's had a hard beginning because she's been working since a child and her father's not... No, he's not tightly wrapped, I don't think. No. He's doing... He's so, doing you know, doing and her mother, I, she's had a hard time. I love her. Yeah, now you also co-starred in another series with Doris Day. Doris Dor- Day is one of the best actresses ever. She is underrated, don't you think? Completely underrated. And f- almost forgotten because she has kind of chosen to disappear uh, and, and not... You know what? She's smart. Yeah, you really... She saw what was Why? coming. Why? I just spoke to her recently, and I said, can you believe what's happening in movies? She says, no, I can't. She says, if they asked me to take it off, I would take off. <laughs> I would take off. And you she, know, I mean, she just, she can't believe what's happening. But she was a serious actress who also had a great singing voice, and she was, so people don't remember her well enough today. What was it oh, like? I think, I think she has a big fan base. Good. I mean, really. She still gets presents and hundreds and hundreds of letters. Oh, that's good. She has a bigger fan base than people realize. Good. Uh, you wrote in your book that after you, you did about 15 episodes of her TV show. You had a recurring role in her show, and you said you loved it, but you think it might have hurt your career. Oh, it did. How so? Even mothers in law hurt my career. How so? Because they uh, pigeonholed me as only an Italian performer. Mm-hmm. And Previous to that, I never did anything Italian, except I talked about my grandmother. Right. And always will. Nana. Nana. Nana, oh, yes. 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 She was yeah. my life. Yeah. But the point is, why do they pigeonhole you? And that, as a matter of fact, in, in uh, Mali, the Jews resented me being Mali. Now, talk, you wrote about that, and that surprised me. Talk about that. Did you get mail or things, or people just. Oh, yes. Really? People said, you know, you, they were angry that a Jew wasn't playing Mali. Right. But you see, I loved Molly Goldberg. She, I identified with her like I identified with my grandmother. Right. And yet her son saved me by saying, Kay, you were the essence of my mother. Was Gertrude Berg still alive when that show was done? No, 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 no. no, Okay, okay. But you know what? She wasn't dead long enough before you do it. That's another thing. When someone's really famous like that, you have... It's like Lenny Bruce said, you can talk about any tragedy in the world if you wait long enough. Long enough, right. Now, what, uh, what's coming up for Kay Ballard? Well, I'm going to do the Palm Springs Follies again because I realize that those are the people who would understand my brand of comedy, which right. is stuff that you can do on television. You can't, well, it used to be that you could do on television. There's nothing risque about my act. Right. But also I'm you... doing a takeoff on uh, Shirley Bassey singing This Is My Life. Oh. Instead, it's This Is My Lunch. <laughs> this Is know? My Lunch, yes. <laughs> But uh, and listen, I, the other thing that I that was very poignant was that you did a production of Follies, the great Sondheim show in New Jersey, and it starred all these great people who had been in the business for years and years and years, and the show didn't go to Broadway because Mrs. Goldman, you know Milton Goldman's wife or whatever her, his name was, she wouldn't allow it. She said, "No, I want." the English director, and I want to get to the depth of it. There was no depth. There's no depth it. to it that show. It is what it is. It's a great show. It. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that Stephen Sondheim was sorry then. 
Uh, but, you know, why can't someone be strong enough to say, no, I wanted to go? And yeah. He had that kind of power, I felt. And he didn't do that, right? He no. Just, he backed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ann Miller was in that show with you. Ann Miller was, she was that show. And she's, she when was she ageless. When she stood at the top of the stairs or when Lilia Montebecchi walked down the stairs, yeah. you were in the Follies. Yeah. Ann Miller, that must have been a heartbreak for her because I think that was the end of her life almost, wasn't That's it? Right. She died not long after that. It's so funny. I called her and I said, Annie, I just saw the New York version of Follies. It's rotten. She says, I love you to death. <laughs> I love you to death, kid. You know? <laughs> because she wa- that broke her heart. Yeah, that that didn't go. Yeah. Because, you know, there's Ann Miller. When she stood at the top of the stairs, she saw MGM, you saw the Follies. Sure. You or saw when show Lilia Montebecchi walked down those stairs. Now I know, know who, I know who she is, but if people don't tell, talk about Lilian Montebecchi because she was a Lillian she's a great Montevecchi performer. Was a Follies girl, and she starred at the Lido in uh, at the Folie Bergere in London. I mean, in uh, Paris, Paris yeah. for twenty five years, and then she came here and did nine. She won a Tony in nine. And uh, Grand Hotel, she's a great entertainer. New York has neon, Berlin has bars, yes. but ah, Paris, she was. And she's a very sexy woman, Ali too. Yeah. you know, she was just wonderful. She looks magnificent. She looks like she's in her 40s, and she's got to be in her 70s. Yeah. Do, uh, what would it take for you to revive, Molly? You could still do that show. No, I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't? Because, uh, break your heart too much, or...? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Funny Girl broke my heart. We what happened about Yeah, what happened about that? that? Didn't you didn't you wasn't that your I idea? I did the album of Funny Girl and sent it to Ray Stark. Right. And he said it'll never be done and if it's done it'll be done with Kay Kendall. And I thought, well, that makes sense. I didn't know. <laughs> but when I saw Barbara Streisand, I knew that she was it. You, so you you did that make you feel a little better or not that she was Well, uh, no, she no. was Jewish. She looked like Fanny Bryce and she has a magnificent voice. And I don't begrudge her that. I have know. I have one last question I have to ask you. Can do you still sing opera? Do you still sing Pace Pace Mio Dio like you yes. used to on TV? Yes. Can you do a little for us now? Pace Pace. No, I can't. You're very good. That's very good. <laughs> Listen. But Maybe. anyway, uh, Christopher, I love that you called me, and I love Columbus. Oh, thank you. And if you ever see Kerwin Matthews, give him my love. I will look him up in the phone book, and I want everyone to know about <laughs> I think your, he's a real estate dealer there. Your new book is How I Lost 10 Pounds in 53 Years by Kay Ballard with Jim Hesselman, and we thank you. And you know what? I, I want you to uh, – Jim Hesselman, you know, it, what's int- Hesselman was – it's interesting. We were on the road doing nonsense, a 20-version, uh, you know, with all stars, right. Amy Hines and everyone – and I, I said, you know, I want to write this book. And we sat and we talked and we got it done in six weeks. Wow. So every single word in it is true yeah. and honest, and it's me. And he put it together for me. He put it in some form. But, you know, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a history of show business. It really is. I mean, everybody's in this book that you worked with. Sandy it's, Dennis, I'm looking at her picture right now. Talk about Sandy Dennis. She was something else. Sandy Dennis was a thrill. Now, you see, there, there again, I'm talking about the end of sh- when you get right. older and how cruel show business is. Uh, I was doing Odd Couple, and they said, uh, are you get first billing? I said, are you people crazy? I said, Sandy Dennis is one of the great ones. She won a Tony. 
an Oscar, an Emmy, and you're talking about billing? Yeah. I just was incensed with the stupidity of what this business is at times. And here's a great actor with you, uh, with you his, his arm around you, E.G. Marshall. Oh, E.G. Marshall wow. was the most wonderful to work with. And Nathan Lane. That yes. was his first uh, good break. And Treat Williams in a Towel. Treat Williams was a, I call him Treat Alita. Treat Alita. <laughs> I did, uh, I did uh, Pirates with him. Uh, I want people to read it because I want them to know what show business was well, like before American Idol. And, you know, here's the best picture. Jimmy Durante. Tell us about Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante. Now talk about a class act. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he was, oh, well, what can I tell you? Well, I went to his 70th birthday party, and right now as I'm talking to you, I thought, oh, my God, I wish I were 70 again. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, wow, he's old. I was 40 then. I said, yeah. wow. But when he sang Young at Heart, you just, it broke your heart. Yes, yeah, Sinatra said he was the greatest entertainer, Jimmy He Durant. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sinatra wasn't bad either. No, he wasn't bad either. <laughs> and neither is Kay Ballard, I must say, and I thank you for your time. Thank you. Very Christopher, much. I appreciate that you even wanted to interview oh, me. Oh, my, it was a thrill for me, and thank you so much. And uh, my love to you, your family, and to Columbus. Thank you, Kay Ballard. Come back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's a frothy little bubble with a flimsy kind of charm. And with very little trouble, I could break her little arm. Oh, oh, why would a fella want a girl like her? So obviously unusual. Why can't a fella ever once prefer a usual girl like me? Her cheeks are a pretty shade of pink.